0: Welcome to yes. Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the glasses and beard comic, Ryan Thomas. Yay! Yay! Hey. <laughs> hello, Ryan. Welcome.
1: Hi, friends.
0: Hello, hello. Thank you for coming on our podcast today. Um, Thanks
1: for having me.
0: Yay! So, uh, just jumping right in. Tell us about you. Where are you from? How did you get started in comedy? The whole, the whole story.
1: The whole shebang. All right, I got you. Well, it all started in the spring of 1991. When I was born in Bloomington, Illinois, and then we moved to California, and then I grew up in San Jose, and then I went to school in LA at USC, and then I came back to San Francisco to sell software, and then I did that for like eight years. But then when I was selling software, I was like, I'm going to tell some jokes, and so then I told some jokes, and the joke telling went good, and then I was like, oh my gosh, joke telling is super fun, I hate my job. So then I fought <laughs> it and I schemed for like two years so I could save up money so I could move to New York so I could do stand-up comedy to see if it's something I really wanted to do and now I've been in New York for six months telling the jokes and it's been very fun and that pretty much sums it up
0: exciting did yeah. you do comedy at all uh, when you were in San Francisco
1: yeah I did comedy there for I don't know I guess like two and a half years something like that yeah my, my first time going up was October
0: 2018 okay nice yeah that's like three years ago
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: Wow. Good. And is there, a, is there a good stand-up scene in San Francisco? Or, like, how would you how would you review stand-up comedy there?
1: Ooh, stand-up comedy in San Francisco? Hmm. At least four stars.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but, but four stars on Yelp. Not, like, four stars on Google. You know, because, like, Google four star, like, doesn't really mean that much. They'd be giving out stars on Google and they give out stars on DoorDash like four star on Yelp, maybe even a four and a half star on Yelp, because it's like a small, big scene. So Mm -hmm. it's like you have enough audiences. You can get your jokes off, kind of work on your stuff, figure out what kind of comic you want to be. But it's small enough to where you can kind of know a lot of the folks. Whereas like in New York, there's like comics in every borough, like you're never going to know everybody or anything close to it. Like yesterday, (laughs) There's so many comics around. Yesterday, I tried to bark in as am sorry to a show, and then he was like, "Oh, what time is it?" And I was like, "Oh, what's up, man?" <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: like, so cool. Where was that?
1: Uh, this is in Greenwich Village. I was on McDougal in third.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's such like a. Have you seen the show Crashing? Like the Pete Holmes.
1: Thing. I gotta watch it. I only watched the first episode like way long ago.
0: It's so good, but like, that is something I'm pretty, not like with the season. sorry, but it's something that happens to him in the show where he's like barking. And then people, I think it's Sarah Silverman comes up and it's like, hey, huh. it's even, it's either her or it's Jessica Kershaw. I should remember, but it's somebody cool. Anyway, uh, but that's so cool.
1: But the other thing I was going to say about the four and a half stars is like, there's so many good comics in San Francisco that, just don't want to do any kind of premise that might be perceived as hack which Mm. is like what I really enjoy about it so there's just a whole bunch of weird subject matter that is covered in hilarious ways and so like I'm glad I started there because it let me know like oh you can like like anything can be funny like literally anything like one time I went to a mic and one of my friends Kaiser Lieb had a joke about just like rectangles and squares Huh. and i was like wait why am i laughing at this this is so benign but it's so funny so yeah great place i love it highly recommend 10 out of 10 nice.
0: what is the um this is not on the topic of comedy i would really just love to hear your breakdown of what stars mean on the different websites you mentioned because <laughs> you're like oh obviously not on google but like on yelp like and i i am a, as a listener i'm confused um but is yelp oh, no, like
1: yeah, Yelp, Yelp is harsher. It, it seems like the Yelpers take their reviews very seriously, whereas the Googlers really just hand out the stars willy really nilly. And then the DoorDashers do the same because like DoorDash and like, you just want the food to come to you immediately. And you're just happy that's there because you were hungry and you were lazy. And DoorDash solved two out of the three things you wanted. It solved your hunger. It hooked it up because you're lazy. And so like the tastiness is tertiary. Literally. Whereas if you're Yelping, probably you're going to the venue, which means you weren't lazy. So they can't help there. you were definitely hungry. So they can help there and you want to taste the food. But I just think the bar is lower when it comes to DoorDash. I don't know about Uber Eats because I don't use that one. I don't know about Postmates because I don't use that one. But what I do know is every time I use a food delivery service, I always cross reference with Yelp. And every time I do, the food delivery service has higher ratings than the ones on Yelp
0: hmm gotcha so they don't line up so the, it'll no. say like on uber it's like a five-star restaurant mm-hmm. but yelp it'll be like a two
1: it'll be like three and a half stars you're like wait what the fuck is this how you got a 4.7 on uber eats when we got three ah. and a half on
0: life is a lie honestly like there's so no there is though. no truth well i also like i have a friend who every time we like t- are trying to find a restaurant she's like i'm just gonna put in anything like four stars and above on google maps and it'll take us to something good and it we have yet to go to something good so i think that that's an interesting thing <laughs> yeah you
1: see like it'll be happen- like clearly
0: yeah. low quality like a basement food you know
1: mm-hmm. and it's like why do
0: you have 4.5 stars out see? of five
1: you're welcome. Like everyone has been listening from the podcast.
0: Yeah, honestly, this is a game changer. This is the reason that, like, I keep downloading Elf on Elf. <laughs> Probably uses yelp. Elf instead of Yelp. Uh, you heard it. You oh, heard you want to
1: watch Elf. It's an Elf-related Freudian slip. <laughs>
0: oh, That's true. It's just the season. Elf is, like, mm-hmm. one of the best Christmas films out there. Elf is, like, my favorite movie. It's so good.
1: Damn, I got to watch Elf with someone. I don't want to watch it by myself. I got to find an Elf squad.
0: Yeah, put together a group. Yeah.
1: If only, if only.
0: If, if only yeah. there were other people.
1: Only. you
0: could make a Facebook group. Elf Elf. <laughs> yeah, what? Elf, Elf. enthusiasts. Elf. Elf enthusiasts unite. And then you can just like if watch like, Elf.
1: Like Carly and I are on the same page and Catherine's like, oh, you can find people.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's saying we're the people, Catherine. I, I got that, but I, I feel like it'd be better if you had different people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But like respectfully, no. Like I,
0: like I just I. I saying, what I'm saying know, is like no. Like I don't really want to watch Elf with other people.
1: You, wait, I would what? like to you have, you have a watch lonely Elf, Elf by yourself. Movie? You
0: want watch- to yeah. <laughs> watch?
1: Elf by yourself.
0: i just like I. I feel like Home Alone is like a group movie. Elf. That's so funny because it's called Home Alone. Yeah, so you feel um, <laughs> like you need to counter it by having people and then you're like no worries kevin we've got some friends
1: oh my gosh is home alone a scary movie for you
0: um <laughs> no but it's scary for the guy it's scary for kevin yeah it's, yeah it's scary for kevin so like we're it's there to comfort
1: it's it's not that scary for kevin he's like a little frightened but i mean he really keeps this shit together in a way that honestly few adults could
0: yeah, that's true. I guess he puts on a brave face. I don't know what I would do if there were people walking around my house. If, I definitely wouldn't um, think to home alone them. If I were in a time of crisis, I would want Kevin the child at the helm. Yeah. Um, the response squad.
1: Yeah. That's honestly, the- like this dude could be like a, a five-star general.
0: <laughs> right. We just have so okay. much we can learn. But see, this is why you'd watch with people. Because there are so many analyses that I would not have come up with on my own um so that's why it's a group movie and elf is not anyway so um about the pandemic you were doing comedy before the pandemic and you moved to new york during the pandemic what was your life like in comedy leading up to the pandemic uh
1: i used to have like a, a corporate nine to five like i said so i was like i get in the office at like 7:30, 8 o'clock and then i'd leave at like six And then as soon as I left, I would hit up like two or three mics or shows. So I was doing like in San Francisco, if you're doing like 10 mics a week, that's like on the higher end, probably. Um, And if you're doing shows, it's probably like 10 to 12 shows is what a lot of people are doing. And so that's what I was doing. And honestly, it's been a long time since I thought about what the hell comedy was like before the pandemic. I don't even remember. <laughs> I would just bob around, see my friends, hang out, tell some jokes, and then I'd go home and fall asleep at like 1130 and then wake up at six the next day and do it again.
0: Do you feel like just because I, I really don't know, but the because um, New York, it's so easy to get from one place to another place to another place to another place. But mm. is it harder to do that in California? Like, what's the What's the uh, transit like between Mikes?
1: Well, yeah, San Francisco. Have y'all been to San Francisco before?
0: No, I have been a long time ago.
1: Okay. San Francisco is like mad small compared to New York. Like, like very contained. Like I know most of the city like in my head, I can like kind of map out where stuff is. So it's pretty easy to get from Mike to Mike, especially like I had a car. So I was just whipping where I needed to go. And you could take like the bus, but the public transit isn't like popping like it is here and you can take there's a lot of mics like along the the main subway line in san francisco so most days i would go from work walk to a mic walk to a mic then take a subway to another mic then take a subway back to like my car where i parked it and go home so three in a day is a lot in san francisco because even though the logistics aren't terrible it's not as easy to get around as it is here and there's also not as many mics
0: Gotcha. So then you, so after California, you moved to New York, you're here now, uh, the pandemic hits. What was your comedy life like (laughs) during the pandemic? Not that it's over, but because it's like, you know, like the the pandemic pandemic.
1: Ooh. All right. I shall answer that. But before that, I forgot on the star conversation when I said four, four and a half stars for San Francisco comedy scene. The reason that I wouldn't give it a full five is there's, there's like three clubs in San Francisco. And that's like that's like it. So there's the Punchline, there's Cobbs, and there's the setup. Those are like the three main ones. And then there's some that are like general live performance spaces or comedy slash uh, sketch spaces or whatever. But it's really just three clubs. And so like for that reason, I can't give it the full five stars because it's obviously hard to get on. If you got all these comics in only three places where you know you never got like 20 or however many we have out here. But the answer to your pandemic comedy question is super easy. I didn't do shit. I just <laughs> just stopped doing comedy pretty much. I think I did like maybe five or six Zoom shows during the whole pandemic, and everything else was me waking up at 6:30 and working till like seven or eight. And that was it. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. But then like after, so at what point did you start applying for festivals and stuff? Like, I know you're doing a lot now. We actually met in Boston, weirdly enough, um, Mm -hmm. out of things. So when did you start rejoining the world and like how have the festivals you're doing been going?
1: Were you at the World Series of Comedy in 2019 in November? No. Okay, so I got into the World Series of Comedy because my friend Paul Conyers was like, oh, dude, you should apply. It's like good development stuff. I was like, oh, bet, bet, bet. So I applied and then I got in. I was super happy. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting to travel for comedy. And then pandemic hit. I was like, oh, shit. But they still did the finals in Vegas in November. And so I went to go do that. And that was, I think, my first set in like, I don't know, Uh Six months, eight months, something like that. It had been a very long time. And you couldn't see the room beforehand because they had capacity constraints because of COVID. And so you didn't know what the room looked like. You didn't know what the crowd looked like. You didn't know how the person sat before you went. (laughs) So you just walked in and got on stage and told jokes. And I have the joke where like, try to explain certain facets of racism with geometry. And uh, the Vegas people did not want to hear that. And I don't know how much of that was them. I have to assume most of it was I hadn't done comedy eight months and I did not go well. <laughs> I, I bombed pretty hard on that. But that was the first one that I actually applied to. Um, and then after that, I've totally forgot that festivals were a thing. And so this year, maybe like three months ago, I got lucky and I just went online and I was like, "Ooh, what festivals are there? And I saw I had like a week to reply to Red Clay, which is the one in Atlanta, which is really fun. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I put that one on. And then obviously I have a whole bunch of friends from the Bay Area and they reminded me that SF Sketch Fest was going on. So then I had time to apply that too. And now I just Google stuff like once a week to pay attention because festivals are the business.
0: True, true. How has it been going to, has there been a favorite festival you've done so far? If you don't want mm-hmm. to say, you can just say one you really liked. I don't know. But hey, or you don't have to answer at all. You can say no. That's every option. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so far, my favorite festival is Red Clay, because I do love the World Series. But the fact that it's like, it's a competition, but it's not a competition. But it is a competition, because it's a competition, like, it makes me like a little more nervous when I go up on stage, you know, cause it's like, Oh, like I want to do well. And I want to advance and all this kind of stuff. Whereas like the red clay comedy festival is just a festival. So you just get to kick it and hang out in like 100% enjoy other people's sets. And so like when I'm doing world series, I do my best to like have love in my heart for the other comics and be like, yo, I'm so glad that went great for you. But like, the back of my mind is always like, but also I wish it didn't go better than mine, but it did.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, damn. <laughs> Whereas at the other ones, you could just be like, yo, that was hilarious. you were funnier than me. I just got to get better. It's all good. So yeah, I, I had a good time with that one. And then also Atlanta being Atlanta, there are more black people. So that's just more fun for me. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. And I
1: and I have family in Atlanta. So I got to see some family. They came out. So yes.
0: Exciting. So we like to throw in some random questions that have nothing to do with anything um, on the podcast, just for fun. So this question um, comes from sociointelligence.com. And it is, what would you do if you met a malevolent historical figure, but you both really hit it off?
1: <laughs> oh, malevolent.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> about the multisyllabic diction. Right. Oh, man. Like, I mean, do we have do we have more per- like how how malevolent are we talking, you know, like
0: <laughs> yeah, I think pretty malevolent because it's like a big deal that you actually hit it off.
1: Oh, shit. This is such a paradoxical question because I almost, you know what I'm saying, because like if you think about it, like I feel like the country living right now, like you could hit it off with just a normal ass person. Right. And then like folks find out that you're like either hardcore liberal or hardcore conservative, whatever. And then they're like, oh, fuck. I don't wanna hang out <laughs> with you. Like, I, don't, I don't like you anymore. And that's just on some political views that may or may not even be that divisive or that that important. So the fact that I would hit it off with a malevolent person makes me feel like I... I mean, I guess I keep kicking it with them. I, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because. If you hit it off with someone who is that bad on a historical scale, then like the bar for you liking them is so high. Right, you, have, yeah.
0: you must yeah. really hit it off.
1: Yeah, if you have like any modicum of moral decorum, like the bar has got to be like way up here. So they hit off, like that's honestly like, you know, that's a good friend, good friend. <laughs> Total asshole, but you know.
0: Heard it here first, folks.
1: Friends.
0: Ryan would be friends with the evil people from
1: history. <laughs> and then, and then just hang out gotta, about it. Then you got to assume a lot of the evil people, I guess it's just the lens that I see the world through because I'm black, but like a lot of these people probably didn't like black folk. So if they like me, that also means that now I have an opportunity, maybe, possibly, hopefully, to bend their ear slightly and be like, hey, like maybe. Maybe don't kill these people because they're different. I'm one of these people, and most likely their response would be like, "Yeah, but you're different. You're one of the good ones." I'm like, "God damn it, I'm back."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'd keep kicking <laughs> <laughs> it. Well, I mean, we can all see this uh coming up very soon. I think I think definitely malevolent historical figures come in and out of our lives so (laughs) like Mm -hmm. at an alarming rate. Right. Like I they need to be stopped.
1: (laughs) They just have to be stopping
0: they have to stop being so dang pleasant to get along with. I know.
1: the other thing is like I only got twelve hundred followers on Instagram. Like I could use some clout, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a clout chick and I figure. Like, I'm sure they would have at least, you know, a few million. So like give it. That's true. No, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. To have that much power, like they'd have to have a good chunk of followers. And also if you guys are kicking it all the time, then like you're probably being tagged in the pictures.
1: What's up? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Like it it's might me.
0: not be the crowd you want following you, but it would probably help you get booked on more shows. It's true.
1: <laughs> I want the state, I'll do anything for state.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of getting booked on more shows, flawless segue. Po- so you're in New York doing comedy. What's that been like? What have you been up to? How is the adjustment from California?
1: Ooh, all right, wait, all right. So choose your own adventure. I could answer that now, or I could add one more fun fact about the prior topic we were talking about, about malevolent figures that I just remembered.
0: That okay. One. Heck yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. So as you may or may not know, or, you know, Hitler. Yeah,
0: right?
1: heard of him. So, yeah. yeah. So apparently when, when he was coming to power, there were like a whole bunch of people in the U.S. who were, of course, also old white men who like went to go meet with Hitler. And they're like, yo, we think Hitler... Might be on some fuck shit. Like, we think he might be a problem for, like, us and also other people, but also mostly for us. And they're like, all right, well, let's go talk to Hitler and see. And, like, maybe two or three important people in the U.S. government went to go talk to Hitler. They got their, like, stats and notes beforehand. Like, yeah, this guy looks like a total asshole. And then they talked to him, and they came back, and they were like, yo, Hitler's a chill dude, y'all. (laughs) He's
0: Oh, my God.
1: He's just hanging out. He just wants, you know, what's best for his country. That's all. Like, you know, he said he's not going to invade these places. He said folks is just tripping. Like, he's honestly like nice and engaging and charismatic. And like, we like the guy. I don't know why we were tripping. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hitler is the first fuck boy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They were like, yeah, you know, I think maybe we have more in common. So point being malevolent figures can be very, very charming. And I guess that's, you know, how they get to where they are. Right. A lot of times people don't want to see the Eve, you know?
0: And that's why you would be friends with them.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you can get sucked in by that charisma. Right. But yes. To the other question, New York, how I'm liking it, how the comedy is going, how the adjustment is. New York is dope. I will say that this cold is going to wear on me very soon. Actually, <laughs> I actually thought, like, In this baggie, I have a whole bunch of heat tech stuff from Uniqlo because people told me that layering is important.
0: What is heat
1: tech? Oh, no. Apparently, it's the business. Apparently, it'll keep you real nice with the layers. Like, see, it's got the the ultra, you know, it looks official.
0: But is it, it like, extra warm?
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, super warm. Like, I imagine that this is stuff, ooh, and it's Japan technology, which is... Should it not be Japanese technology?
0: It, yeah,
1: that yeah. Kind of that says Japan technology.
0: Yeah, I think it's Japanese. I think Japan is a is a noun, and Japanese is an adjective. Hot takes only on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, grammatically it's incorrect. Like objectively, that's how you know it's authentic Japanese. <laughs>
0: Cool, cool, cool. How have you felt like the comedy scene is how you said you were getting up a lot. How are the shows you're doing?
1: Oh, yeah. So tying it back into like how Cali is or Cali comedy is. I was talking to my dude in L.A. the other day. He was like, dude, I am so jealous that you can get like 10, 15, 20 spots a week out here. Because in L.A., he said it's like a good week if you can do five because it's all sporadic and spread out and whatnot. So, yeah, I think when I first got here, I was doing like pretty consistently 15 to 20 mics a week just so I could like get out there, get my jokes out, meet folks, practice, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, oh, this is too much. First of all, the bullshit of New York comedy is that you got to pay five dollars for an open mic. That part I did not know before I moved out here. (laughs) (laughs) Are they free in California? Yeah, I I assume they're free in LA they're definitely free in San Francisco
0: with a drink minimum or no like you just go in
1: uh no every flight I went to in San Francisco it was don't be an asshole buy a drink from the venue so we can keep doing this but also drink minimum not enforced at all Hmm. yeah it was basically like all right we're at a bar we're telling jokes if y'all want to get drinks cool if not whatever
0: yeah it's interesting because I've only really ever been in New York and like I, yeah it's weird to hear about like other it's also weird to me that like people go to mics and do the same thing that we're doing in New York but in other places and we don't know them. Yeah <laughs> like that just blows my mind people are like oh, I'm gonna gonna go to an open mic in LA I'm like they do it's like us but not you know you'd go wow. and it'd be people who I don't know and I'd be like oh that's weird.
1: classic New York mentality there's other places
0: (laughs) like what is even happening like (laughs) there's other places there are other comedy places (laughs) I can't believe it do anything (laughs) right it's really it's a uh, yeah um
1: yeah I did not budget for the five dollar mics I was livid I was like wait so you're telling me if I'm trying to get 20 licks in a week that's a hundred bucks I don't want to pay a hundred bucks to do comedy.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I've never thought about adding it up. (laughs) Yeah. I made a budget Uh, for myself about what I'm allowed to spend on, like what I'm allowed to spend on comedy per week. So I'm like, okay, well this mic is free, but that mic's $10 somehow. So it like, (laughs) (laughs) it's all weird. Um, It's like $10 for two minutes and no one will laugh. And you're like, okay, that's (laughs) Yeah interesting
1: I was like I moved out here without a job and I gotta pay for these mics god dang I should have done more (laughs) research before I came (laughs) but I I do love it and it's also really cool because you have so many different pockets where you don't have to hit the road to see how applicable a joke is to different audiences
0: yeah
1: I like that to me I don't know. I could, I'm probably romanticizing it, but to me, like the Manhattan mics and like the downtown or not the mics, sorry. The, the downtown rooms are kind of like pure stand up comedy and everything else is like a derivative of that. Obviously like Brooklyn is more alternative. You go to Harlem. Those are more black rooms. And so it's like some stuff might work where you have like the dark jokes that pop off or you can have like the cool, set up punchline delivery in downtown because like that's what people might be looking for but then you go to brooklyn and they're like what the fuck is this this isn't weird i want it i want it weird and different and then you go to harlem and they're like yo this is whack like man the white people love this shit. and they're like yeah but
0: <laughs>
1: we're not white people we we're black people we laugh all the time your shit has to be like way up here you better come with the energy and the hot take like that's what we want So I like that you can just, you know, hop the subway 30, 45 minutes and test out the same material and figure out how tight it is.
0: Yeah. Would you recommend starting off, like now that you've started off in a different scene and then come into the New York scene, would you recommend like starting in a smaller scene than coming to New York or starting off in New York or big city?
1: So... I'm going to outsource this one. From what I've heard, a lot of folks like in New York say they're like mm, if all else equal, probably don't start here. If you if you could avoid it. Um I think there's like you just have the looming expectations of New York stand-up comedy.
0: Yeah. And
1: you start here. And so there's everything that you think comedy should be, everything that comedy is, and so you're trying to emulate a whole bunch of people and you know Eventually, be the person that folks know. Whereas, if you're in a smaller market like San Francisco, a lot of people come from places like San Francisco and even Chicago and possibly Austin, Seattle, whatever, Atlanta. But like most people, don't really like make it there. Like the the shorthand is like you either come to New York or go to L.A. to make it, so to speak. But I think in a place like this, it's harder to find your voice. Mm-hmm. Whereas If you start somewhere that you're more familiar with and it's a smaller scene, you kind of just get to go on stage and say what you want to say in like a real low pressure, low stakes situation, which means you're just doing what you want to do. And so like going back to what I mentioned about like there was someone with a joke about rectangles and squares. I was like, oh, my gosh, like you can talk about that. You can make geometry funny. That's awesome. (laughs) I don't know how how likely you are to come across that in, in a place like New York. So I guess Brooklyn would have some weird stuff like that, some fun, different stuff. Yeah. And then the other thing is it's really hard to come by stage time or quality stage time in New York, right? Like, Carly, you're talking about how you'll pay $10 for a mic for three minutes and then like no one's going to laugh. So you're like, I don't even know if this is good or not. So you can get on stage in New York, but it's kind of hard to learn how good your jokes are and what your stage presence is like when you're in a room full of comics that either aren't paying attention or just don't care or difficult to impress or have skewed senses of humor so when you're in a different market you don't have to worry about any of that so I think it's like a lot better to come up there and then you're like all right I know my shit is good I've performed in front of like a lot of real audiences I might have been able to get up at a few clubs so like now I can hone it out here
0: Totally. Going off of this uh, weird vibe into more weirdness. Um, if there were a zombie, if there was a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, what is the first thing you would do?
1: Oh man, I'm so bad. Uh, call Kevin McAllister.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love a callback inside the
1: pod. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look at Home Alone and take instruction from there. <laughs> and the, the fact that I don't have an answer to this is indicative of how fucked I would be in a zombie apocalypse. I-, I, think
0: it, I think it's interesting. Cause it's like people portray zombies in different ways. So it's like, do you really even, could you really even prepare because you know, it's like, is it the walking dead zombies or is it like zombie land zombies? Like they have yeah. different characteristics. And so like, maybe you could have been prepared for walking dead, but it's really zombie land. And then what do you do?
1: Well, Here's the thing. All right, let's see. If you're thinking that it is like World War Z zombies, you're fucked. So it doesn't really matter. Run around with the chicken like a Like they're faster than like 99% of humans. So you're screwed in that scenario. So you have to assume that they're either going to be Walking Dead or Zombie Land zombies. Zombie Land zombies seem like the easiest ones to deal with.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: In which case, first of all, I, I think the most important thing is to find your squad, which now that I think about it would probably be, yes. I know some comics, some of whom have seen the inside of a cell and I feel like that's, that's a good place to start. You know, I, w- I would, yes, I would hang out with the comics that are angry. I feel like you need rage in a zombie apocalypse, but rage from trustworthy people that you know you can talk down when cooler heads must prevail. But like, you're gonna have to hit the zombie's head off with a baseball bat or a hammer or a mallet. And like, right now, the best weapon I have in my house is maybe like a, a big cutting knife, but like knives are not from zombies. Like, I guess maybe stab them in the head. So yeah, I'm hitting up my, my, angry and volatile and prone to physical altercation comic friends and like can can i roll with y'all i'm in good shape i can be a scout
0: honestly fair yeah that's that's a good strategy yeah Yeah. so we're ready for tomorrow
1: (laughs) (laughs) wait i want to know y'all's answers
0: um i know i was i when she said that i was like i don't have an answer for this um i don't know does the internet work
1: probably not probably not for much longer
0: yeah right but does it work like for now because I feel like I would google every like life survival technique
1: oh yeah still can Mm -hmm. um
0: and like you know like while my printer still works and stuff and I'll like print it out and then have like a pamphlet of like how to make a fire you know yeah I think I would find like research but I would also just find like a place to hide and I think that like collect rations and a place to hide and then get people who it's like oh would you like to come to the bunker with me and then we would all go to the bunker and then from there we would create like you know am I spoiling Hunger Games for anyone is anyone (laughs) <laughs> it's been a while, but like, you know how district 13 has been like living underground for yeah. a bit. Um, and they kind of have their own little thing and then they're like, Oh my God, like we're kind of running out of stuff. Like yeah. we could, from there, we could divvy up roles. So really anyone that mm. was trusted could come to, um, the bunker. We would yeah. just need, really, we need, um, secure borders and time. Like that's really all it is.
1: Oh, so, so the zombie apocalypse turns you conservative. <laughs> <laughs> we have to secure our borders and increase our military might. But what like, if somebody tell fuck them if su- we don't know they can't come?
0: <laughs> Honestly though, like, like the thing is, I think the difference is it's not so much like, oh my god, close it down so we can keep going. It's like, no, no, no we're hiding. They won. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's, that's what, true yeah like yeah. it's like it's honestly admitting to it's i i don't like to think of it as i don't think hi, i think it's strategic hiding i don't think it's actually admitting defeat but i do think it's like a quick give up of the world we've all known it's like we're not right it's like we're not gonna be able to take these guys on so plan yeah. b yeah. plan b is like hide yeah
1: we'll yeah be cowards Especially or
0: strategic because... hiders yeah cowards, <laughs> cowards. <laughs>
1: we don't stand a chance um all right so we
0: are we are unfortunately coming to the end of this podcast as we wrap up is there any uh what's the best advice you've ever gotten or on the flip side um what advice would you give to aspiring comics
1: Ooh, that's a good one this this advice i don't know how much sense it makes but it made a lot of sense to me is like when i was two months in to stand-up comedy and i don't know if y'all know nori davis
0: oh yeah I, oh my god i interviewed him uh last week for work oh word yeah i met him he's so nice
1: anyway um so i was like two months in the comedy i was going to the san francisco sketch fest um which i'm gonna be in this year quick plug um and I saw him do maybe like a 30 minute set. And like during his set, I, I got mad at him because, like, I was like, bro, I got to breathe. You can't just do this to me. Like, I came to be entertained, not to almost die of an asthma attack. So he was killing me. And afterwards, I went up to him and I just started chatting. He was super nice, even though I was very new. And then he was like, yeah, man, every time I go up, I just tell myself, time to bomb. <laughs> And then it goes up and like, sometimes if I'm feeling nervous, I'll just be like, well, guess it's time to bomb. And it just very much relaxes me because the stakes are pretty low. Like if you do it for long enough, like, yes, it does suck to bomb anytime that you do. But if you've only done comedy 10 times, then 10% of any bomb once 10% of the time you bomb, that's kind of a lot. Yeah. But if you've been on stage like a thousand times and you bomb like every bomb is less than a percentage point of what you're doing. So I kind of like that mentality of like, well, I hope this goes well, but if not, like whatever, time to have some fun. Yeah. So that that's probably some of my favorite advice that I've heard. I feel like there's more like sanguine advice, but it's not coming to mind right now.
0: I think that's very sanguine I think advice. that's great advice. Sanguine as a penguin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As we wrap up, is there anything uh, you want to plug? Shows, social media,
1: anything? Oh, well, my social media is, on Instagram is just Ryan Thomas comedy. And as I mentioned earlier, I would be friends with an evil historical figure <laughs> to get my clout up. But this is way better because y'all are nice and I like you. <laughs> I don't think there's head's in the freezer. So yeah, follow <laughs> me on Instagram. Sometimes I post like, uh, weekend update daily show type clips from time to time. And Excited. also all my information about like shows that I do are posted on my story.
0: Great. Well, yay. Thank you so much for coming on. Yay! Thank you.
1: Thanks, friends. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow katherine at Catherine.Cowan.com and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.